Last time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> no, but really. Are we recording? Yeah, I was recording. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey. <laughs> welcome welcome back for an all new episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. And I'm Travis. And today we're going to be talking about the 2009 remake of My Bloody Valentine. Right? Because nothing says date movie like a 3D <laughs> ride to hell. Oh, I should have known you were going to pull that one out. <laughs> yeah, I had to. So, yeah, last week That's we... That's such a stupid trailer. <laughs> God. So, last week we covered the original, which we both decided was pretty much perfect, right? Yeah, it's it's far superior. We had we had no faults with we that We did movie. the Pepsi challenge and <laughs> the original one. Yeah. Well, I mean, seriously, you can go through a lot of slashers and be like, okay, yeah, that was really shit, but it's still pretty good. But this one we actually went through and we were like, we could not find anything wrong with it. Like, we both genuinely loved that movie. Yeah, the original, not the, original, the one. Yes. Not the one we're about to talk yes. about. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, this one's got all kinds of flaws. Yeah, no. We, we watched the original and you got the right one, baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> no? No. <laughs> you didn't get that reference? No. Anyway, <laughs> you'll have to pardon us. I swear we've had nothing to drink this time, <laughs> but... I'm starting to think I should. <laughs> but no. We'll get Aiden in here to do his horse insurance commercial <laughs> thing. Uh, good grief. That kid. You guys don't follow me on Facebook, so you don't know that joke, but it's... Yeah, trust me, it's good. <laughs> anyway, so yes on with the show we're we're definitely talking about the my bloody valentine remake and my opinion i think has soured over time i guess i mean don't get me wrong every year i'm gonna watch those two in a double feature do it every single year um but the original is one that i will watch all year with no pretense of having to have a holiday behind it but the remake not so much i guess well, we talked about this on uh, on the last one when we were doing the original one, and the the issue this this one got the scream treatment, right? That that's kind of what we were had talked about. They grabbed a couple of big name actors, they shoehorned them into this remake. It was it's very polished, it's very clean, and it just doesn't translate well. Yeah. At all. So. Yeah. It, a good remake will will improve upon its source material in. This was kind of like the thing where it didn't need to be improved upon because it's already pretty damn good by itself. No, they they changed part of the story, and we'll we'll talk about that here in a minute. But they changed the story. Uh, they added like at least one really solid exploitation element that wasn't didn't exist at all in the first one, uh-huh. and didn't need to be there. Uh huh. Um, they added a twist. I guess you want to call it a twist. Yeah. And it felt unnecessary. Mm -hmm. To me, there was nothing wrong with it the way it was. And I just want to go on record and say none of these characters are likable. None of these characters are redeemable. Even though they try to kind of shoehorn that in at the last minute, I left this movie not really rooting for anybody, you know? Well, yeah. That kind like, of sucks. Like I've said before, if, you, if I'm going to like a movie, they have to find a way to make me care about someone in it. Yeah. You know, that's what's that, that's what's going to make me stick with it. And they failed to do that yeah. in this movie. I, I didn't care about any of these people at all. Yeah. Which really sucks because 
Um, and we discussed this last week with uh, Jensen Ackles being our main character, really, or at least our really big name in this movie, because like we've said before, we're big fans of Super, or at least I am a big fan of Supernatural. And when we found out he was going to be in this, it was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm there, you know? Um, and I grew up watching Cursemith on Dawson's Creek. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, you should be. <laughs> and I'm not a huge fan of Jamie King. I I haven't really seen anything of hers that I was just like, oh yeah, she's a brilliant actress or anything. So she was just kind of there. And I have some problems with the way her character was written. It's, it's not her fault. It's no fault of her. She did what she could with what she was given, but I don't like the way her character was written. If especially considering she's supposed to be our final girl, so I have uh, I have expectations, <laughs> you know, that for what a final girl should be, I guess. And to me, she did not live up yeah. to it. So let's kick off the spoiler <laughs> warning so we can talk about this stuff. Alrighty then. This is your obligatory spoiler warning. At Dead and Married, we talk about major plot points that might ruin films for the casual viewer. If you don't mind spoilers, join us now. Okay, so we all set now? We're all we set. We got our spoiler warning. We've got booze. Now we have drinks. <laughs> now we have drinks. It's a banana cognac. Bitch. <laughs> Why did you do that? It just threw me off when you... <laughs> I thought, ooh, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. All right. So the first thing about this movie that chapped my ass <laughs> was that they changed the opening. Because uh, in the original, yeah, yeah. he cannibalized those guys, right? Harry oh, Warden okay. I thought eating. you were talking about like the cold open of the original with the chick getting her booby pierced by the pickaxe. No. Okay. So you need to maintain separation here. I like the old one. I don't really like the new one. Yeah, but that is in the old one. I know, but they changed the the uh, the whole You're, Harry Warden cannibalizing yes. the other miners that yes. he was trapped with. Uh-huh. And in this one, they laid it out there that he, I guess he murdered them all to save air. Yeah. Or some it was shit like, like that. The mine still collapsed, but he took all the guy's air to basically... Well, he, he killed them all. Yeah. He was just looking out for himself. Yeah. And then and, he escaped? Like they caught him? I guess, and he escaped, and then he woke up the next year on Valentine's Day and yeah. came back. I mean... He's not Michael Myers, guys. <laughs> I mean... He doesn't have an internal clock that goes, oh shit, it's Halloween, I've got, that, I've got to go to Haddonfield. And it's, you feel cheated because that shot where they find Harry, and he's sitting there like going to town on like an arm or leg or something, and it gets that close-up shot of his face screaming with blood all over it, and he looks fucking crazy, like... That that automatically set the tone for that movie. Right. Like, you knew you were in for some back shit crazy stuff. Right. So. Yeah. This one, you don't really see it at all. I mean, they just kind of yeah. talk about it. You you get your credits with some newspaper clippings and yeah. shit like that. And this Harry Warden just looks like a big asshole. He doesn't look all crazy eyes like the other guy, you know? Yeah. Like, he was probably a dick before that happened. There was. There was that little bit of banter between him and Jensen Ackles when, you know, I know my job, Harry, or whatever. Like, he he already didn't like that character. Yeah, he seemed like a dick. Yeah. To begin with, so. I don't know. I just, I didn't, I don't know why they changed it. Yeah. I mean, did they think that cannibalism wasn't shocking enough to open a movie? I guess not. 
And, I mean, okay, so t- just taking people's back, air is yeah, that's a little dickish, but it's let's not. Let's jump back to the original, <laughs> the makeup that they had on him. Uh huh. Did he not? Because he had like blue and black and stuff on his face. Did he not kind of look like the zombie makeup from one of was it Day of the Dead? I the old I don't one. yeah. Remember when they had the weird makeup? The, the one where the yeah. guy gets his head chopped off with the helicopter? <laughs> where the zombies all look He's blue. He's got the Frankenstein head. Yeah. 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 His makeup looked kind of like that. I'm so proud of you. Your references are getting better. The force is strong with this one. <laughs> you got sick references and everyone knows it. But that's <laughs> that's my first gripe about this movie is that they changed kind of, I don't know, I would say they changed the lore. But I mean, if, when it's a single entry, I don't get you. Don't really get well, lore. But the problem that I have is some they, of the changes they, changed they made were thing, so fucking insignificant. They changed a thing that didn't need to be changed. Yeah, there was nothing wrong with it the way it was. Like they even changed the name of the town. Like I don't. Like yeah, was I that something that needed to be changed? What, what was like, wrong with the name of the town before? Yeah, it was like they went from Valentine Bluffs, which yeah, sure you could say is a little bit ham-fisted, but. Uh, Harmony, that's, I mean, that's not, that doesn't seem less than the other name. Like, like, were they trying to be more subtle with it? I don't understand. But, but again, it's, they changed it just to change it. Yeah. It wasn't like, so this was a problem in the one before and we're going to fix that in our version of it. Yeah. They just, I don't know. I, it wasn't <laughs> broke. There was no need to fix it. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. But anyway, and then you go to, uh, I guess a party, really. Well, first, Harry escapes the hospital. I mean, he murders everybody in the hospital, or at least in the the wing or room that he's at, and escapes. And, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It didn't... I guess they're wanting us to get that whole, oh, he's crazy, he's psychotic, he just murdered everybody in the hospital. But I didn't... I didn't get that. I didn't get that sense of dread, you know? I mean... I don't know what it is. A fucking dude ate people. Like, you don't get crazier than that. I know, right? <laughs> but Yeah, there's some Donner Party shit going on there. <laughs> I don't know. I, we don't need to get hung up on the opening. It's just, like, that's the first, that was the first indicator for me when they changed that thing that did not need to be changed, that they just fucked this movie up. Yeah. I guess. And I'm not, I'm, maybe that was a premature conclusion on my part, but when I saw that they had changed the opening... I was like, okay, this is not going to be good. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe I shut it down before I gave it a chance. I feel like but I remember you liking it the first time we watched it. Okay, but remember, I saw this one before I saw the other one. True. So True. I had, there was no basis for comparison. But now that I have that, like, hmm, yeah. This was just the writer trying to get his name on something, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It just felt like they, they probably went into the office and they're like, so we got to do everything different. Like, we got to make this our own, and it's got to be our thing. And I get that. I respect that. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It just... But they could have made it their own with a little more character development or through special effects. Or, yeah. Or, you know, changing some of the shots up. You know, basically the same content. They, they could have changed... They could have... I think they could have made it their own without changing the story. Yeah. Is my point. Like... This, I, I will say that this movie is well directed. It's well shot. Um, I don't think that Todd Farmer's a good writer. I'm sorry. And that's, it's nothing against him. But so far, everything I've seen where he wrote it, it's just the same shit. So let's just go ahead and throw out the two titles that we know of. He wrote <laughs> this movie and Jason X. Yeah. And he felt like he needed to act in both of them. 
And I have come out several times on this podcast and said, I'm not going to hate on people for acting because I've never done it. Right. right. Mm-hmm. It could be really hard. I don't know. But he's not good. Yeah. I'm just going to say And I'm it. sure it's hard to write a movie, too. I mean, I'm sure it is, but I don't know. There's Like, there's one thing about, you know, the Stephen King, and they make a movie about one of his books, and he has a little cameo, and that's fine. But in, these, in both instances with him, he put himself in the movie with a speaking part, like, he's a character. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, like, Stan Lee did that, okay? But with Stan Lee, it feels earned, you know what I mean? Because he is the father of Marvel, so it feels like he, he can do that. He can get away with it. But so again, when you see him, it's like... It's like getting a prize. Right. Right. You just found Waldo. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. But it's, again, it's more of a cameo when he does it. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll pan by and you'll see him and you're like, oh, shit, there he is. Yeah. And, you know, he may say a line and then it moves on and that's it. He's not a character in the movie. Right. Um, yeah. But he wrote himself into this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I feel like the, the 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 point where he wrote himself in, that is the, when I said earlier that it was, there was an exploitation piece in mm-hmm. this movie. He wrote himself into that one. Yeah. That's Which the part that he chose to star in. feels very sus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It that's, does. I want to be on screen with a naked woman. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what that was. I don't. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that scene in a minute. But first of all, let's not be total dicks here. What did you like about the movie? Can we pause for a moment? <laughs> I'm going to have to really think about it. I actually do. I so, do have some stuff. I feel like the... For what it's worth, I think the 3D effects in this one were good. We've watched other 3D movies. We have... Okay. Jason, <laughs> you can't uh, see which, me cringing over here, but I'm cringing. Which Friday the 13th was it that they tried to do 3D on? It was part three. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I feel like this one's worse. I'm do sorry. You? Yeah, I actually do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel like it was that bad. Besides, you're, you're asking me to pick things that I like out of a movie that I don't like. Um, I don't feel like the performances necessarily in themselves were terrible. I think that I think it kind of goes back to the writing again because we know that Jensen Ackles can act. Yes, we know that that kid from Dawson's Creek can act. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name, but you know Kerr who Smith. I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> we know that those two people, those two actors, they're capable actors. They can act. This was written more like a soap opera. Yes, and it was. They're supposed I, to be adult characters, but they're still written like teenagers. And I feel like they 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 acted. As well as they could within the material that they were given. Mm-hmm. Does that... Yeah. You know? Um, I can't jump on the cinematography and say, oh, it was fantastic because nothing really stood out except for the end credits. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're riding through the uh, through the mine shaft. The music was better. Yes. In this. I will yes. I'll say the music mm-hmm. that they chose for this movie was better. The score was better. Because uh, the score was almost non-existent right. in the first one. That's going to be about it. That's a really short list. Okay. I just, I'm struggling to find things that I would say, well, let's be fair. On the first one, you said, what's some things that you didn't like? And I really struggled finding anything I didn't like. Right. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite end of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate everything in the movie, but if you ask me what's something that jumped out, then I would say I really like that. Uh, I've already got one of those I just off the top of my head. Well, then let's have it. Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins. <laughs> you know... <laughs> See episode three. Or no, sorry, not episode three. See Halloween three review. <laughs> yeah, listen to our podcast on Halloween three season of the witch and you'll find out how my wife feels about Tom Atkins. 
at any rate, yes. Um, somebody not that long ago in our uh, Killer Flicks group said, just because Tom Adkins is in a movie doesn't automatically make it good. I respectfully disagree. He... So this is a good movie because he was in it? <laughs> no, I'm saying this movie gets more points because he's in it. So you, you can add Tom Adkins to anything and I'll be like, all right, I'll try it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so glad you're not threatened. <laughs> I'm really not. I'm not. Besides, in this one, he got his jawbone ripped off. I synced it. <laughs> it's just as well. You know what happens when you talk shit about Tom Atkins. He goes no. to your house, he drinks all your beer, and then he fucks your mom. Yeah. Probably your sister. <laughs> Thank God I don't have a sister. Yeah, I'm just not going to talk shit about Tom Atkins. How about that? <laughs> At any rate, um, but yes. But they, they had a better cast than the movie that we received at the end, I think. Well, think about it. Tom Atkins was in it. We already talked about the other two. There's that other guy who plays, what, Ben? Um, Kevin Kevin Teague? He's been in a ton of movies. Oh, yeah. He's not a terrible yeah, yeah. actor. No, 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 no. That's no. what I'm saying. There mm -hmm. was some talent in this movie in terms yes. of acting chops, and I just don't feel like the final product reflected the talent that was involved. Exactly. Yeah. So Good point. But... Yes, that, that is my number one like so far. Um, two, I... Oh my God, that, it really is hard to find things that I'm yeah, just like... come on, come on, spit out. What's something you like other than Tom Atkins' mustache? There you go. Yeah, it's so easy, you do it. But, Looking yeah. at me all bug-eyed when I'm like, I can't think of anything I like. Um, I, will, I will again say that I am a fan of some of the actors they chose for this. So yes... The act, the actors they chose are are good. Uh, I feel like the cast of the previous film was better, even though we didn't know any of those people. I feel like they did a better job overall. Um, the acting was so melodramatic in this movie, but we're talking about likes. We're talking about likes. Um, yes, I do like the score in this movie. Um, it actually is kind of creepy, kind of foreboding and stuff, especially like you just brought up at the end credits. Um, let's see. Cinematography. Cause you, there were a couple of shots in there that you like specifically there, the end credits. There are a couple of shots. I like there's a scene where, um, Sarah's in cabin and she just found all the uh, heart boxes and she's standing. And then you just see the minor, right behind her you know they're sharing that that screen and she just looks like fuck and i do that is a nice shot um i don't know i don't have a tremendous <laughs> i don't have a tremendous like la, 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 la. i don't have a tremendous amount of likes in this film i'll just say it i i've i've got more bitches in this movie than anything else i think the most disappointing thing is that when you find something that you do like they just they didn't continue with it mm-hmm like, you may have a scene, like, um, okay, Jensen Ackles on the bridge when he's talking to What's-Her-Face. Mm -hmm. And you get a, good, a decent performance from, from Dean. Oh, yeah. He's, he's like I said, he, I love Jensen but Ackles. Like, I'm, I'm ride or die with but him. Like but it's an isolated incident where that actor was put in that situation with those lines to have a good performance. Mm -hmm. They just didn't continue that throughout the movie. Same thing with the cinematography. Like, some of the best cinematography they've got, they put it in the end credits. Yeah. Um, there's a few shots where it shows Harry Warden walking through there, like when he's smashing the, the light bulbs and it's Dean. Oh, yes. And when he I love that one, scene. It flashes and he turns into Harry Warden. Yes. Right, briefly. Yes. Like a flicker. Yes. Um, I do love that scene. I will go on record to say that. That was a good, but that was a nice addition. I think, 
And that's one of the things that makes me more disappointed with this movie is that you get a few elements where they sort of dangle that carrot in front of you, but that's all you get. Mm-hmm. If they could have, they, if they could have taken the best parts and just done that through the whole movie, mm-hmm. it would be a good movie. Right. Even with the changes that they made. Yeah. But they didn't. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, did nobody watch the dailies or something? <laughs> Cause you'd think that they would have shot some of that stuff and looked at it and went, Hey, let's have more of that. That looked good. Mm-hmm. And watch some of it go shit. We need to reshoot that. Yeah. I mean, like Like I said. the whole scene at the hotel. Just saying. Yeah. Like, what's this bald guy doing in the movie? We should just cut him out. Yeah. Completely. He should be gone. Patrick Lussier is a competent director. Um, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now except for Dracula 2000. And I remember when that movie came out, I enjoyed that movie a lot. And he did some brilliant work in that movie. If if that's the one I'm thinking about, I think the only reason we watched that was because Gerard Butler was in it. Okay, but at that time, Gerard Butler was not Gerard Butler yet. No, but he still did a pretty damn good job. But we did watch that, that movie. That's one we could do later because it's still a horror movie. Yeah, we did watch that movie and go, who's that guy? He's pretty cool. So, yeah. And then, of course, he blew up after He'd that. He'd make an awesome Spartan. <laughs> right. We called it High Five. Yay. We didn't. <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> but... Uh, okay, I guess, uh, like I said, we're, we're just bullshitting here, guys. We're not going to take you frame by frame through the movie. Um, what? T- let's talk about our dislikes for a minute. Can I just get it out of my system? Or do you want to get yours out of I'll, your system I'll get mine out of my system. You started with what you liked. Okay. I'll start with what I didn't like. And we're probably going to have some things bleed together, okay. I would imagine. Leave me a good 45 minutes for mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry. Um, I do this laugh sometimes, and I don't mean to do it intentionally, but I'm like, ah, uh, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> it's your martini laugh. Like, she sticks her pinky finger up and everything. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I, I guess I'm going to start, and I've already kind of briefly brought it up. I, I cannot stay in the writing in this movie at all, whatsoever. We talked a lot about how realistic and grounded we felt the last movie was, even for being what it is. You know, this over-the-top slasher, it still had elements that made you feel like these were everyday people, you know, the, the people you go to work with, the people you drink with, or, you know, and this movie just really, really lacked that element. It, it hurts a movie to me in the beginning when you all your cast is pretty. You know, that's just you don't live in a place where everyone looks like that unless you're like in Hollywood or whatever but you know from us here in Texas anywhere Texas these are people in the original these are people that look like the people we know you you don't walk around our square tripping over underwear models yeah you just don't yeah exactly I mean even though I could be one you could (laughs) I'm kidding but I missed that aspect of it where people you just felt like these were people you knew you know, um, and while some of the dialogue in the original is not great, I'm looking at you, I'm so damn sorry, but those lines, even though they weren't the greatest, they were performed genuinely. You felt real emotion. Those people really acted their asses off, I felt like, with what they were given. And you they got did, the effort. Yes, and they did a great job. Whereas everybody in this movie read their lines so melodramatically where you felt like, I hate to say this, but you feel like you're watching a Spanish soap opera where any minute somebody's going to get slapped for no reason. You know what I mean? I watched those with my granny growing up, so I can say it, okay? Well, I think a good example of what you're talking <laughs> about is Care Smith. 
Yeah. Because there were a few scenes where he really acted his ass off. Mm-hmm. And then there were a few where he was phoning it in. Yeah. I don't know if he had a hangover or something <laughs> that day. But yeah, to what you're speaking of, you, you there are a few instances where you get a good genuine performance. And then there's others where it's just like, shit, they just didn't want to be on set that day. And yeah. you can tell. And the thing that kills me is that I saw, I watched the special features where they, these actors were getting interviewed and they were so excited you know these were actors that grew up watching this movie and so they were genuinely excited to be getting to do this film but it it just didn't always come across that way you know what I mean and the problem that I have with that writing is that none of these characters are likable I struggled even with our main protagonists I struggled to empathize I struggled to find something I could latch on to I didn't root for them at all. Whereas in the original, you didn't want anybody to die because everybody was great. Everybody was likable. Uh, like I said, in a lot of cases, people were fucking adorable. And it was like, I don't want to see that person get killed. I like that person. Like, you know, hashtag justice for Hollis. <laughs> well, we talked about it, I think, pretty briefly. But one of the things that I like about the original is it didn't necessarily follow that slasher formula. Mm-hmm. Where, well, if you have sex, you die. If you drink, you die. If you... Right. Whatever, you die. Granted, those things did happen in the original, but they were all going to die anyway. Right. He was not targeting them because of what they were doing. He was targeting them because he was going to kill them. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That's almost scarier. And... But this one seemed like they were trying to follow a slasher formula. Right. And like we were saying before, these... One of the refreshing things about the original was these were adults. They were having adult problems. They were in adult situations. And in this remake, they're also supposed to be adults in the same problems and situations. And yes, there is that element there where there's some marital dispute and stuff, but it just didn't feel genuine. It, it felt, like you said, very soap opera It feels like the soap opera version of Dawson's Creek. <laughs> really? Yeah. Where it's like, we're going to take actors that are... 30 years old, try to cast him as late teens. Well, and they were, we're supposed to be adults. Drama. I know that, but I understand what you're saying. It just didn't work. Yeah. They still came across as whiny teenagers. Because in this one, they were trying to follow the scream formula. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say necessarily completely because they weren't using the huge dialogue and, and words that are more than four syllables or whatever. Um, but it, they were just too whiny. I guess. And yeah, sure. As adults, we bitch, we complain about stuff, but it does. I don't go around doing this. Oh my God. Uh, And that's what they were doing. And I couldn't, it was like, oh my God, this is making me fucking insane. You know? Um, I hate, I've already brought this up. I hate the way Sarah's character was written. You know? Um, I enjoyed Sarah much more in the original because while, yes, she was going through this love triangle with these two guys, she still seemed capable. You know, at the end of the day, she still worked her way through that mine and struggled to survive. And you felt some empathy for her. And she seemed like she was genuinely a good person. You know, I mean, even at the end, when she finds out Axel's the killer, she's still concerned for him when he gets crushed under under the rocks, you know? She even goes to pick up his severed arm. I mean, that's dedication. (laughs) Yeah. I liked Axel, even though he was the killer. He was a good guy. He was a decent dude, apart from, you know, murdering people. Um, And TJ, 
again, he was a good dude. Yeah, they had this love triangle thing going on. And yeah, they got kind of petty spaghetti about it a little bit. But it didn't come across as whiny. It it was it felt like it was real. Like it could really be happening to to me or you or anybody, you know. Um, well, they acted like young adults with young adult problems, not teenagers. Yes. Yeah. And that, there's a big difference. Yeah. They just, they didn't, I don't know. The differences between petties were vast. <laughs> okay. So, and I hate to say it, it's the same thing with Tom or Jen Snackles. And he's effectively the TJ character in this one. I didn't root for him. And I should have been on his side on general principle just because I like him as an actor. You would think, okay, that's somebody I know, somebody I like. I'm going to follow them no matter what. Just it's Dean who Winchester. They are. It's Dean Winchester, exactly. But in this one, I was like, he's not a good dude either. Like, his, his intent upon returning home is to sell this mine and put hundreds of people out of jobs and families needing for money. And that's just... That's a really shitty thing, you know? And he doesn't care. And he doesn't. He gives not one shit about it. And so that was a turnoff with his character automatically. And I'm used to... (laughs) This is not his fault. This is the writing. But I am used to seeing him be much stronger, more... um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's just... I'm used to him being tougher. He has a stronger personality. Yes. Than that. And they made him come across as kind of whiny and kind of... Um, oh, I don't know. What's, what, what's the word I'm looking for? I think whiny is a good word. He just comes across as very soft yeah. in this, in this and movie. kind of douchey. And I think, so we'll go back to Supernatural, right? If they had written him less whiny guy and more like when uh, he had Mark of Cain. <laughs> People would be like, what the fuck, guys? What are well, you talking about? they need to go back and watch some damn Supernatural. <laughs> Where he was just like angry mm-hmm. and stuff, and that I think that would have worked better. He's a, he's a more than capable actor. He's if he'd got come great back, range. If he'd come back to town and he'd been like, "I'm pissed off. I fucking hate this place. Yeah, I'm gonna burn that damn mine to the ground, and I don't give a shit about any of y'all." If he'd have been pissed off about it, yes, he could have sold that better than I don't know who am I. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But they made Dean Winchester a bitch, and I don't like it. Yeah, I <laughs> just. I don't like it. And the thing is... And you didn't either. I'm perfectly happy with him being the killer. I have no problem with that whatsoever. If if he had been more foreboding as a person in general, then I could have handled it better. Because I have no problem with him being the killer at all. I'm like, Dean Chest- Gene Winchester is Harry Warden? Fuck yeah. Like, I'm right there. Or, you know, or Axel, which I know he doesn't... He's not Axel in this one, but... You know, I was on board with him being our killer. I was totally fine with it. Because he can do big scary. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen him get scary before. We, like he's, like I said, he's capable. We we love him as an actor. He's wonderful. Um, I'm really anxious to see what he does in The Boys when that comes back. I'm ready to see that. So it's, it's going to be interesting for sure. But then there's Kerr Smith. Who, again, I have watched, you know, growing up on Dawson's Creek. And then there was another horror movie called The Forbidden. It's a vampire movie. Um, And I like him just fine, too. But they wrote him as the biggest asshole in this movie. And you're supposed to... He's supposed to be our good guy. He's supposed to be the guy that we root for. He's going to take down this killer. And instead, he he's probably the biggest piece of shit in this movie. You know? Um... 
Well, they okay. So just to clarify for our listening audience, if they haven't seen this, they sort of switched the roles. Yes, sort of. Tom is TJ. Mm-hmm. Left and came back. Axel is Care Smith, but he's the sheriff instead of still working in the mine. Mm-hmm. And where in the original you get TJ, and he did take you know some pot shots at at Axel when he first came back, and he was kind of a jerk a couple of times, and Axel kind of was too. But they took this Axel to a whole different realm of douchiness. Yes. Like, he's off the charts, asshole. Yes. Like, I don't know how in the world he ever became a sheriff in this world. Yeah. Because he's terrible. He's a ter- He's a bad person. Yes. And that was one of my biggest disappointments was that he didn't die at the end. Yes. Because, and the only thing I can come up with is probably the writers were sitting down and then they're like, okay, so we want the, the characters this time to have layers. We want them to be complicated and, you know, we don't want, we want more 3D people. You know, and that's fine. We can, but you have to give us something that we can empathize with too. If they're going to have layers, it can't be all one side. You have to have the full spectrum of human emotion in there. And there just wasn't that for me. He was just straight douchey from start to finish. They did have layers. Like an ogre has layers. (laughs) It's just that every time you peeled a layer back, you found more asshole. Yes. You didn't find anything else. It was just layer upon layer (laughs) of asshole. Yeah. So the problem that I have, okay, is one, we get the same thing where Tom or TJ left town for several years. Nobody knew where he went. And you get the explanation in the original that he went, I guess, to go make something out of himself in the States. And then didn't quite work out. So he came back home, tail between his legs. And he told Sarah, like, look, I'm sorry I left. I went out there and I fucked up. And, you know, I'm sorry. I'm trying to set things right again. And and so you felt you felt for him a little bit. Because it happens, you know. People have aspirations and sometimes they don't always work out. But in this one, they left it the big mystery that Thomas just disappeared for, what, seven, seven, seven eight years. years? Yeah. And nobody knows where he went. Nobody knows what <clears throat> happened. He won't... You know, supposedly he's supposed to have loved Sarah, which it doesn't come across in this film the way it did in the other. The crazy part is that it doesn't come across in the flashback either. Yeah. You know, when it shows them having the the party in the mine. Yeah. You don't get it then either that there was a big... They didn't have any chemistry. There wasn't like an epic love story going on then either. Yeah. They pretty much interact there the same way you see them interact seven years later. Yeah. And she's married to Axel. Yeah. When they're boyfriend, girlfriend, high school, he's very standoffish. Like, he doesn't want to be at this party. He doesn't really care that he's with her. He's just like... Whatever. Well, she's ready to go to the party, and he's like, "I left the beer in the truck. You go ahead. I'll be back." Yeah, there, there was nothing showing there because even um, Axel even says refers to TJ as the love or Tom as the love of her life, and I never got that. And she doesn't. She doesn't reciprocate it either. Yeah. So exactly. So I didn't get that the way I got from TJ and Sarah in the original. You know, he he looked like he really loved her, and he was really sorry. I mean. He was so damn sorry. He was sorry. <laughs> but Hey, I get it. You know what? I looked at our stats. We have listeners in Canada now, so we may need to cut that shit out. I'm sorry, Canada. We love you. Our, our son plans to join your country when he graduates high school. So <laughs> <laughs> we love you, eh? <laughs> oh, you're not making it better. All right, continue. Anyway, um, so that, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't get any chemistry from them whatsoever. So the fact that there's this big, 
discord between the three characters. And in this one, it's not even a love triangle the way it was in the original. This is a love square. Or to reference a really old Tales from the Crypt episode, a four-sided triangle, <laughs> because we have an extra that's element. Still a square. <laughs> I know, but that's the name of the episode, Four-Sided Triangle. It's a Patricia Arquette episode. You remember. But anyway, um, with the Scarecrow. Remember, she's going to make love to the Scarecrow. It's the whole thing. And the pervy farmer, and he dresses up at the Scarecrow. Come oh, on. Yeah, I remember Patricia Arquette, yes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we get this extra element introduced with, I don't even know the girl's, Megan. The character of Megan is brought in. And she's this added obstacle for Sarah and Axel because Axel has been having an affair with Megan behind Sarah's back. So that was already strike number one for me. Actually, that was not strike number one. That was like maybe strike two or three. Strike number one came at the beginning when they're at the party and he's all like, Tom better not shoot his face around here. I'm just going to personally kick his ass. I'm like, really? Really? You're going to kick his ass? Okay, sure. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the sad thing about it is that this girl has no redeeming qualities either. And I don't know what in the hell she was seeing in Axel. Like, I mean, he's a small town sheriff. What What was the attraction? But he's still a sheriff. Maybe and I'm it's... not trying to shit on small town sheriffs. We need you guys out there. <laughs> we need you girls out there. But he was not a prize. Do you know what I mean? I don't think so. He was a dick. He looked like he was strung out or yeah. something through 90% of this movie. Yeah. Strike two was basically they have a bunch of reporters show up and they want to know how life in the town is carrying on after this massacre happened seven years ago or whatever. And he's such a shit ass to that reporter, like the for no good reason. The first like three sentences that he speaks are okay. And then he starts to walk off and he comes back and he's like, oh, what you fucking people are doing here? It's like, oh God, <laughs> Like, somebody shut him up. Like, to mark the stupidest holiday, I'm like, yeah, like somebody start, hurt him. <laughs> he starts off all right, and then he just goes to stupid town all yeah. by himself. Yeah. Somebody didn't love you enough when you were little, did they? He didn't get enough hugs. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, okay, I don't like this guy from Jump, like, automatically. But then you add to it that, yeah, he is stepping out on Sarah, and not only that, he's gone and knocked this girl up, too. And she's so, like a high school girl. Well, she might not be, but she certainly looks she's it. She's not far out of high school. And yeah, you were talking about her not really having redeeming qualities either because there's a scene where they're in a diner. and She works with his wife. Yeah, they're in a diner and she's sitting and she knows what she's doing. She's sitting up at the bar and she's just kind of dropping her little cardigan or hoodie or whatever, showing the shoulder and shit. And I'm like, give me a break, girl. Oh man, nothing does it for me like some nice shoulder. <laughs> Like that's not a turn on, but and Sarah comes back, you know, later on in the movie and she tells Axel, like, I'm not blind. So obviously she knows that this is going on. Like, so let's talk about the next thing you don't like about this movie <laughs> since we're there. <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys have heard me throughout this series. Talk about little girl. <laughs> I wouldn't, this would not be an instance where I would just look the other way. This little girl would get her ass fully kicked. Sorry. I mean, maybe not if she was pregnant, but, you know, I'd beat her with a shoe at least. Like, a shoe's not going to hurt a baby. Just aim for her head. She'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I, she, she's got to be the one of the worst final girls I think I've ever seen in a horror movie. Now, I'm saying that, acknowledging that I have not seen every horror movie in every final girl, but... 
I'll go back to Jamie Lee Curtis. But you and know Halloween. the Titans. Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween would have been Thompson. Like, See ya. Jamie Lee Curtis in Prom Night would have straight up slapped the shit out of Mr. Sheriff Guy, I think, because she had she didn't take no shit. Yeah. Um, Nancy probably wouldn't have put up with that shit. Heather Langenkamp wouldn't have put up with that shit. No. But for some reason, she's just like, yeah, I know my husband's cheating on me with this little girl. And I'm just going to go to my grocery store. And, and I got the problem that I have, if they had fleshed her Cut out better. Cut his balls off while he's asleep. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> the problem that I have with her writing as a character is it is that she comes across as very damaged, very traumatized. Like, like she might have PTSD a little bit. If they had fle- fleshed that out a little bit more, and yeah, she is hurt or broken or damaged from something, you know, then I could have understood her behavior. But she just comes across as very meek. And anytime anyone raises her voice, she flinches like Axel beats her or something. Okay. But if they had thrown that in there that he was slapping her around, at least then there would be a reason for her acting the way she does. That's that's my point. Yeah. But they had nothing to add in there. She just seemed very, ah, There's ah. nothing, nothing to support her behavior in this movie. No. Other than this, she just seems to enjoy being a doormat. You can have a final girl who starts off meekly and then in these extraordinary circumstances turns out to be a badass. That's exactly what Laurie Strode did. You know, nobody expected her to hold her own the way she did, the way she was presented. Well, and uh, Hellraiser, that girl. Kirsty. Yeah, she kind of did the same thing. She started off as being kind of a quiet girl. And mm, at no. the end, she's a... Slightly louder, quiet girl, but... (laughs) No, she kind of, you know, she... From the beginning of Hellraiser, she was establishing her independence from Larry, you know? Maybe I'm thinking about the book. I'm getting my own apartment. I don't fucking like Julia. I don't want any part of her. You could tell she was kind of spunky from the beginning. Maybe I'm confusing the movie and the book, though. Same with Nancy. Nancy Thompson was spunky as shit from the beginning, and you just knew that she... Like, this is going to be our girl. Like, we're okay with her. She's okay. Right. And with Sarah, it was just like, really? I'm supposed to root for this girl? Like, she's just letting these dudes determine everything that she does. If you're not going to stand up for yourself, I don't know. How am I supposed to believe you standing up? It's going to sound so terrible if I say it. How am I supposed to believe you standing up against a killer? You know? I I just, I I didn't buy it. I guess, is my problem. You, you've got to give us a reason to believe in you. And yes. she didn't at all. Yeah. And like I said, that's no fault of her. That's just the writing. The writing is terrible for her, uh, for all of them. Um, and you have this kind of backstory thing where the night that Harry Warden murdered the people in the hospital, uh, a few of the town's guys uh, formed a mob and they hunted him down and killed him and buried him and... Um, well, they said it was the it was the town fathers. So it was Tom Atkins and that other guy and somebody else. <laughs> like I said, they formed a mob. <laughs> well, a mob of three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they. I think Axel's dad, he said, was part of it. He had yeah. drank himself to death or some shit. Right. But yeah, there's a whole thing with that. Whereas in the original, I believe Harry Warden was just institutionalized after the incident because they spend the whole movie trying to track down his records because they know he's been hospitalized. And so they're trying to track him down, come to find out he died in the in the hospital. And in this one, you never get that concrete ending, really, for Harry Warden. Right. Like, they say that they killed him, but when they go to the grave, it looks like it's empty. Yeah. I mean, later you do see Dean go there and he finds the pickaxe. Yeah. 
but... So he obviously did at some point dig him up, but... But you don't ever see Harry Warden's remains or anything no. like that, I don't think. No, you so. don't. You just see him take out the pickaxe. Yeah, you never get that... Yeah, you never get the confirmation yeah. that Harry Warden was really dead. Exactly. And then... Not that that matters, because he's not the killer in this movie, but... And then to disagree with you, I was not a fan of the 3D in this. It, it looks very fake. Um, and then you get, you always get that thing that they do in 3D movies where they're setting up the shot. They got to put something real close against the camera. So it's like, oh, this is the thing that's going to stick out or whatever. But a lot of the kills were obviously CG. There were no practical effects to my knowledge in this film. Um, even no, I did not say I was a fan of practic- the, the practical effects in this movie. The only practical effect I can think of off top of my head is them mimicking the dryer kill. Um, that dummy did look like it was practical. No, but... there, there were more. They were just really small. Like when Tom Atkins gets killed. And oh, no, no. The... That jaw was 3D. Or that jaw was CG. Was it the CG? Yes, it was. Okay. The, the jaw, the blood, everything was CG. Well, and I knew it, the blood was after the it fact. Looks, but... It looks very lame. It looks so bad. And... That could have been a really decent kill. I mean, they did the same thing. They did that kill in the original with Happy. And they Um, did it with practical effects. Yes. And it looked good. Yes. Um, I understand that in this time, CG is easier. It's probably less expensive. I wouldn't think it would be. You would think it'd be cheaper to do it practically. I mean, these... No, because you're paying for labor and you're paying for materials. Yeah, but I've seen all of these interviews, especially with the K&B guys or Tom Savini that are like, we did these effects for like a buck fifty or like you get yeah, some K-Row syrup. For, and they did some... them for a buck fifty in what year? Yeah, I understand, but... I think, I think that we've seen them switch places. Uh-huh. I think that when the the CG part of it was new, the computer graphics part was new. Well, um, shit, Event Horizon. They spent like the first half of their budget just on the op- the opening 15 minutes of that movie. Yeah. Because that technology was new and very expensive at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think we've seen a shift now where the computer-generated stuff is cheaper to do than practical effects. Because it doesn't require as many people, I don't think. It doesn't require hard materials. You can run it as many times as you want till you get the desired effect. Mm-hmm. Whereas practical effects, if you fuck it up, you get a limited number of dummy heads to smash. Right. Or you have to pay somebody to make more of them. Right. So, but, but practical CG, effects still look better. CG done well can absolutely give something that you're not going to see otherwise. Like I'm thinking Avengers Endgame being on Titan and shit. You can't do that practically. And it looks amazing. I mean, that shit doesn't look... You buy it. It's believable. I mean, at least in my opinion. I think it's better. So in in like the Marvel Universe, there's so much CG stuff on screen that it looks normal because it's all CG. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? But a lot of horror movies, when they try to... Like we we did some practical effects and then they throw CG in there and you're like, oh shit, there it is. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just doesn't blend well. Yeah. I think if they're going to do practical effects, they kind of got to go all the way. Yeah. It's sort of an all or nothing thing because when you try to mix them, it just doesn't work. Well, that's the thing that happened with the remake of The Thing, right? Mm-hmm. They did everything practically. They decided they didn't like it, so they overlaid it all with CG, and it was shit. Yeah. So, I'm still hoping one of these days they re-release that movie with the practical effects as they were. Yeah, because apparently they shot it all. Yeah. because it was after the fact that, that they decided... That remake was, or not, wasn't a remake. It was a prequel. It was decent. The, the thing that hurt it was the CG. It was awful. Yeah, yeah if they just left it alone. Yeah. Again, it's it's tough. Like I said, when you get in like an, a, an Avengers or a, a superhero movie where you've got a lot of CG happening all at the same time, where it's on the people, it's on the, the background, it's the weapons, it's the flying, it's all the things. Mm-hmm. 
You can guys, blend CG with other CG, but I think they still struggle a lot of the times to blend CG with real world. Yeah. Well, so, I'm also thinking of Lord of the Rings where they did mix practical with CG. And maybe it's just because those guys had more money to work with. But those things blended together seamlessly. You had hundreds and hundreds of extras as orcs, you know. And then maybe they had several more thousand of them behind them that was CG because you can't have that many extras. But you couldn't tell. I will throw it out the same way I threw it out once before. Those effects worked better when you're watching it in standard definition or just HD. Mm -hmm. With Ultra HD TVs now... Mm-hmm. you can pick those CG effects out. Like yeah. they stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. They worked really well for the technology they had at the time to be played on the technology that was available to consumers at the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you take some of those old movies where they did CG and throw it on an ultra HD TV and it just does not look oh, good. Oh, it looks horrible. Yeah. Like, have you watched Jurassic Park on the TV we've got? Yes. The, those dinosaurs look like crap. No. The CG dinosaurs I look pretty don't, terrible. I don't feel that way i still love the movie no 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 i mean i watched it recently and i was like yes you can sort of tell but it still looks fucking amazing it's still better than most but it stands out a hell of a lot more now than it did back then because when you were watching jurassic park on your standard definition tv you were like holy shit where did they get real dinosaurs yeah now you're like oh yeah that's a computer effect but it still looks really good it still looks better than a lot i'm just saying That as TV technology continues to move forward, they're going to have to continue to improve the computer effects process to make it less noticeable. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But um, (laughs) we got way off on a tangent here. I know. You were going to spend like 20 minutes talking about whatever you didn't like, and you've been going for 45. Oh, bullshit. You were supposed to save that 45 for me. But, yeah, I I don't like the acting necessarily um were there any just really cringe line readings no not not so much um some of the dialogue is trash some of the reactions to a situation is kind of cringe but as far as the acting itself it wasn't terrible i I will say that um there's there's a scene that that was stick out in my mind and i get a laugh at it every time because uh, it's that final showdown in the mine and uh, TJ's trying or Tom's trying to plead his case and he's like, well, what about Megan's death in the in the be mine forever or whatever? And uh, not Megan. Um, Sarah's like, how do you know about that? And he's like, well, you must have told me. And she just does this pause and stands straight up with her gun and goes, no, I didn't. And it cracks me up every time because she's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about that line, but it just cracks me up. But it was acted well enough, I will say. Um, melodramatically, but it was competent enough. It, it was serviceable, I guess. Um, and we're not trying to be dicks. If you guys love this movie, that, that's great. Well, I've got one scene I want to talk about where I'm going to be a dick. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about the hotel. Oh, okay. Go for it. Because that pretty much, I don't know, I don't want to say it ruined the movie for me because there were plenty of things that happened before the hotel scene. It definitely takes you out of it. But, so there's a scene at the hotel where our glorious writer, Todd Farmer, wrote himself in to be a truck driver having sex with, she's not a prostitute, well, she tells him she's not a prostitute. I don't know. This, by the way, but, is supposed to be Axel's ex-girlfriend. It shows her at the oh, beginning. Of, yeah, it shows her at the beginning of the movie because Tom and Sarah are together. Axel and Ma- not Megan. Goddamn, what's her name? I don't. know. I've already forgotten her name. Uh, anyway, Axel's girlfriend. That's her sleeping with Todd Farmer in the okay. hotel. 
So this scene in the hotel goes on for a long time and you get her on top of him. There's full frontal from her and that scene turned this movie into an exploitation film. Now here's the deal. I know a lot of guys would be like, why is there a dude complaining about some naked chick? It, it had no business being in this movie. Even in the Friday the 13th movies, you get like a flash of boob and then something happens. Mm-hmm. This is like the Friday the 13th remake where that dude is talking about that girl's boobs for 15 Her minutes. Her stu- stupendous They're tits. stupendous. <laughs> it's lazy writing. It's sloppy writing. It's just bad writing. And this, it was just an excuse for him to put himself on screen with an attractive naked woman. And it's unforgivable to me. I just, it's. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. That scene. I thought I was going to go off on that. That is just <laughs> narcissism at its, its worst. Absolute worst. And. I don't know. I, that just, it, it ruins the movie for me. Now, for her, I mean, if she feels confident enough to run around totally naked, wearing heels on screen, and she made that choice of her own free will, good for her, if that's what she wants to do. It's not something I'd ever want my wife or one of my daughters doing, ever. But if she made that choice, good for her. If she feels confident to do that, good for her. It had no place in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it was done, I don't know, for shock value, for the teenage boys that were going to sneak into this movie. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't, that scene pissed me off. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. That scene pissed me off. I'm like, you dick, get your ass out of this movie. You've got no business being here. You just wanted to be with a naked woman for 10 minutes. That's that's it. I don't know. Well, in the credits. I thought I'd have more to say other than just it pissed I'll, me off. It, it has, there's no reason for that scene to be in this movie. And somewhere along there, they killed the little lady with the the Frenchie. Oh, I know. And she was the only redeemable character in this I whole loved movie. Her, like she was adorable. She's the only, like you know, I said it when we're talking about the first one, the everyman type of people. Yeah. The just normal, the average Joe trying to get along. Mm-hmm. She was the only one of them in this movie, mm-hmm. and they killed her. Well, they do have the minors, and and I'll touch on that in a minute, too, because that is another complaint I have about this movie. Um, Okay. I'm done talking about Todd Farmer's shitty writing in his exploitation film, so go ahead. (laughs) I will piggyback my own opinion on this uh, as a woman, I guess I'll say. Um, Probably not going to be what you guys expected. You probably expected me to give the rant that Travis just did. Um, I'm not going to say I disagree with him, though. Um, but I'm thinking back to when I was a kid and the most explicit sex scene I had ever seen in a horror movie at that time was the the tent scene in Jason Goes to Hell. Now, if you're watching the standard version, it's your typical sex scene. It's, you know, pretty wash, rinse, repeat. And then the chick gets the, oh, what do you call those things? T-post? You're talking about the tent posts? Where they he, he skewered her and then up from the bottom and well yeah like it looks like it, it looks like one of those T posts though that you get a road sign on maybe yeah yeah um but yeah splits her up but if you watch the unrated version which is the version I prefer just because the kills are gorier and last a little bit longer um that sex scene on the other hand is very explicit and it goes on for a while and I do have some friends out there that have told me they are big fans of that scene. I get it. We, we were all teenagers once. Um, and I <laughs> I would be lying myself if I'd say I never watched that scene and went, hey, like I'm, but it's that whole thing of you're watching something you're not supposed to watch. Having said that, that scene still lasted maybe a minute, maybe less than a minute. It still wasn't that long. And I have heard, particularly in the special features of the Friday the 13th remake, where they're like, oh, well, if you're making a Friday the 13th, you have to have the sex and you have to have the TNA, but you really don't. Sure, you have 
lots of nudity throughout that series. But like you said, it's a second long, you know, maybe a few seconds. Yeah. Not, but they don't stay on it to the point that it makes you uncomfortable. Not this one. They start with the, You hear her riding this guy. Yeah. And then they focus on it for a good three or four minutes. Yeah. Realistically, I was going to say like for a half hour. It's not really half an hour, but it's a good three or four minutes. It's This is not like a two second boob shot. Yeah. And then you see her in the mirror overhead. And then she chases him out into the parking lot, totally naked, bush flying, <laughs> throws a gun at him. He gets killed. She comes back in. She's still butt naked, hiding under a bed. I'm not kidding. This girl is fully naked and nothing but high heels for a good 10 minutes of this damn movie. Yeah. And if you want that shit, make that movie and put it on Pornhub, but keep it out of my horror movies. Well, that That's me. That's what I was going to say. It, it gets to the point... And, and again, in the Friday the 13th remake, it's the same way where you're just, oh my God, you are really focusing on this girl's tits and ass. Like it, for me, it would feel invasive, you know, like again, if that's your choice, like you said, if it's your choice and you're comfortable with it and you're like, hey, I'm not going to look like this forever. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud. I'm confident, whatever. Sure. Go for it. You know? I'm not going to say that if I had six-pack abs, I'd do the same thing because I absolutely wouldn't. Oh, if I looked like Chris Hemsworth, I'd be, I would not own a shirt. <laughs> but it feels too invasive to me. And I'm not going to sit here and... Because I'm, I'm not a conservative person by any stretch of the means. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, doesn't she have any self-respect? It's my body. I'll do what the fuck I want. I'm just saying... In this movie, it felt like it went on way too long. And it feels more... My complaint is not what it is. It feels like, like you said, it feels lazy. It feels like they're padding out the runtime. That's my problem with it. It's in there because the writer wanted it in there, not because it contributes to the story in any way at all. It, it really doesn't. They could have given us the three-second boob money shot, and then she dies, and mm -hmm. it would have had exactly the same impact on the plot of the story, which is nothing. Yeah. Because it contributed nothing to the story at all. Yeah. That this was that is, was my problem. This is writer self-service. That's all it is. Yeah. that That's what it felt like to me. Like I said, just padding out the runtime. And it feels, yeah, <laughs> it feels like jerk-off material. He just, yeah, yeah, something to jerk off to later. Look yeah. this movie I made. I don't, now I'm just going to be hateful. <laughs> so. I know like, it sounds like I'm a Puritan here and I'm really not. <laughs> I just, there's a time and a place for that sort if of I thing. If I want to watch porn, I'll watch porn. This is not the place for that. No. And I think I, I get more pissed off because they put that garbage in a, what was a good movie. What could have been a good movie. What came from the original was a good movie. Yes. And, and it just doesn't need that shit. It's the same thing with the Friday the 13th remake. Yeah. And there were characters in the original that were going to have sex. They were going to do that. But it was handled tastefully and it was more of an implication. And again, I don't. I don't mind sex and horror movies. I don't whatsoever. It's it's not a big deal. Slashers are my favorite. So, of course, I've sat through a bunch of that shit. But it's all in that Zack Snyder frame of mind that we have to make everything gritty. We have to make everything realistic. And it it bled over into horror movies where I, I, yeah, I we, think, we've got to show them getting down and dirty. I think that for me to kind of bring it in, I feel the same way about gratuitous gore. Right? Uh, I'm going to disagree with you there. I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> but I think anytime you do something in a in a movie, period, where are you taking me with what you're showing me right now? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Does it serve a purpose? And granted, if it's Friday the 13th and you get two seconds of boob and you go forward, okay. Well, but we know they follow the formula. We know mm -hmm. when you take your top off, you're going to die. So that's where you're taking me. 
Mm-hmm. She took her shirt off. She's about to get it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It has somewhat of a purpose. Yeah. Gratuitous gorts the same thing. Like, okay, if you're going to be showing all this nasty shit, like just for the sake of showing nasty shit, where are we going with it? Right. What what purpose does it serve? Where How does this forward the story? Where well, are we going? But okay. when you throw gore in just for the sake of it, or when you throw sex in just for the sake of it, and it doesn't lead to anything else, it doesn't forward the, the plot, why is it in there? I'm not going to say I'm watching anything like Vomit Dolls or Human Centipede or anything like that. Like, for fuck's sake, I do have a line. Well, I know, but Human Centipede <laughs> is a good example. Yeah. Like, it's gory just and disgusting just for the sake of being disgusting. And yeah. people may like those movies. I, I don't know, but... But you could say... But where, that Evil Dead gets really over the top with its gratuitous gore. But the story itself is engaging enough and there's a point to it. But the gore continues to move. It's weird. Like, yes, it's gory and it's intense, but they don't just sit there and focus on it. Right? Like, it's not, they don't necessarily just zoom the camera in and there it is. I don't know. And I'm just think- stay there. I'm thinking of the original Evil Dead where the Deadites start to melt and they start turning into that. Puddles okay. of oh, ants, riddle me this, Batman. <laughs> how long is that sequence on film? How long is that sequence? It's it's several seconds. It's it was enough that I started to to kind okay. of cringe a little go. bit. It's several seconds. They didn't focus on it for seven minutes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm going with that. Like at, at some point, Gord, they're doing it purely for shock value, and shit like this, they're doing it for shock value. Yeah. And again, uh, I said. And I, and I know I keep saying this over and over. I'm not a prude at all. Like, I can watch uh, Friday the 13th Part 5 where you got Deborah Voorhees and her giant rack. And the first thing I do, went was, huh, that, that, those are nice titties. Like, Agreed. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not a prude. But I just wonder if you went back to the actress now and asked her, how do you feel about what they did with your character? If her opinion might change a little bit. Yeah, because, are you still glad you did that? Because this is still... It, the spot that this film is in is still pre-Me Too movement. So she may have agreed to it just so she could get the get a part in a movie. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm not really comfortable with this amount of nudity or for this long, but I really want this part, so I'm going to go along with it. They're paying me a shitload of money she, to do she it. she feel like she had to? Yes, exactly. So... I'm not I'm not getting on a soapbox or anything, but it 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 does feel exploitative, and I, I kind of feel for her that she had to be put in that situation. Yeah, and you gotta wonder: Did she really agree to do that, or did she? She get, may have. And if she did, that's fantastic. If she was like, "Yeah, I'll do that. I don't care. I'll be naked on screen for ten minutes." But that's the problem but that I have. If they in, pushed her into doing that, then that shit's just wrong. As much as I love Rob Zombie movies, that's an issue I have with his movies too, is where there's always got to be a fully nude chick, you know, getting run around and, and, and terrorized. And it's like, like, do they always have to be that exposed? You know, I get that you want the character to feel vulnerable, um, but that just feels like such a cheap shot to Well, me. because, and I guess part of it's because it's not realistic. How often are you that naked? I mean, I'm being honest. Like, right before you get into the shower? The when shower? You get out of the shower? Sex? And, that's about And then after it. that, you put clothes on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not, I don't know. It, 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 it takes away from the realism of something, too, when you get somebody just running around buck-ass naked. Like, why? Why are they naked? It's almost to the point of comical, you know, and... I think I actually heard them say that at one point, that they thought it was funny that she's out there butt-ass naked in the parking lot. I mean, if you were a bystander and you saw this woman run out naked and she's beating dude with her shoe or purse or whatever, yeah, you might laugh 
for a minute, you know, but I, I don't, I don't know. It's like, who's it funny to though? It's funny to us, the, the viewer, but it's probably not fun for the person that you're watching or in this case filming. Yeah. I think there were probably in that specific instance that, you know, if I had pulled into that parking lot, like right there and witnessed that, I think my first thought would have been giggle. Like, okay. Well, that went wrong for him. Um, but then my second thought is going to be, is she okay? Mm-hmm. It, it would be really uncomfortable. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But no. then I like to think I'm a decent human. So and I'm going to giggle, but then my very next thought is going to be, is she okay? I also, so. I also don't have a part, or bleh, I also don't have a problem with the body, the human body, the nude body at all. Um, a lot of people... There's a lot of bitching about people saying, okay, well, I don't want my children to see sex or nudity, but I'm perfectly fine with them watching violence. I'm not one of those parents. Um, sure, I'm not going to let my kids watch anybody going at it in a movie. But well, if there's if there's boobs or uh, a butt or penis or something, then, and, you I know. Think, I think for most of those parents, my, my first question would be, do they have a phone or internet access? Exactly. They've already seen everything you don't want them to see. And probably worse. So yeah, you have no idea what they've Googled. Yeah. If, if, if a pair of boobs comes on and the kids are like, oh shit, you know, I'm like, it's, it's, it's cool guys. You have tits, you have an ass, you have a penis. Like that's, there's nothing to be ashamed of with your body, you know, but that's, we're talking about if that's like a flash, you know, because even in PG 13, how many times have we seen Kevin Costner's butt? Unwillingly, but still, how many times have we seen it? Oh, that man's been showing his ass (laughs) since the early nineties. I'm surprised we haven't seen it on Yellowstone yet. Wait right? a minute, we have, haven't we? <laughs> no, I don't think we've seen it on Is Yellowstone it yet. <laughs> he must be building up for it. <laughs> yeah, that guys. Kevin, we, Kevin Costner doesn't make anything without showing his ass. Several episodes ago, we were like, I don't want any part of Yellowstone. I'm not watching that shit. Okay, we got sucked in. I'm I'm a huge fan. I'm a, I'm a rip lover. I'm just going to admit it. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. I don't have a problem with them seeing nudity, but what they did with her was something beyond that. I'm telling you, we went from a horror movie into an exploitation film. Yeah. And as prudish as it sounds, I'm just not okay with that. Yeah. Judge me if you want. You're a prude. You're a big prude. Well, you you know what? (laughs) I don't know that I was the same way until I had daughters. Gotcha. Yeah. I used to wonder why some of the meanest men I'd ever met in my life all had girls. (laughs) Now I've got two and I know why. So that yeah. just, it is what it is. But, but when I see shit like that, I think I no never for my girls. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, that's the daddy part, I guess. Anyway, but, um, we're going to move off of that topic. Cause we could sit here and bitch about it all day. I'm I could, sure. I've got more ammo. I can complain <laughs> about it, but I'm going to get into one of my last problems for this movie. And that's the setting. Um, part of what brought the realism of the original was that setting that these are, that's centered around this mind, these people working in mind. All of our characters, our core group of people are mine employees. The only ones that are not are their girlfriends and the law enforcement and the little lady that runs the, the laundromat. Everyone else they work at this mine and it was such an amazing setting for this film um and in this one it's more centered around the town what's going on in that town i I don't give a fuck about the town yeah it was all about the townies yeah but in the original he didn't go after the townies i mean he did in the movie the second time around but originally it was it was about the miners yeah 
And in this one, it's about everybody but them. Yeah. Except for Red, right? Red dies. Mm-hmm. But I think he's the only minor that actually dies in this movie. Who's Red? Um, He was the one that was going to kick Dean's ass. Oh, right, right, right. That big dude. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know what his name was, but you, yeah, I don't know. I, I hate to keep harping on the fact that there was more realism in the original, but that to me was part of the charm of that movie. And in this one, it's just what, it feels like it's more about this love triangle than anything else and fuck everybody else where you had brilliant, awesome side characters in the other film that you cared about as much as your three main characters. And in this one, it's just focused on those three characters and we get so little of the mine at all. And one of the things that, since you brought that up, it kind of strikes me as odd, is that I've always said I have a hard time with movies that have a large cast because I have a hard time keeping up with everybody. Um, It's mostly, I just don't care to keep up with everybody. I'm going to be honest. It's not because I'm not mentally capable of doing it. I just don't give a shit enough to do it. Um, in this, in the remake, the cast was relatively small, mm-hmm. very small when you compare it to the first one. But a, a lot of the issue I have when you have a very large cast is that you don't get enough time with any of them. Mm-hmm. If they try to either they spend a lot of time on a, a, just a select few and the rest of them are just sort of bystanders or extras, or they try to spread their time around with each person. And so you never really get good insight into any one person enough to make you care about them. In the in this remake, you've got a smaller cast. At no point did I ever care about any of them. But somehow, in the original, you had a large cast comparatively. And they make you care about each one of those people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's it's weird how they did that. But I think it, it comes mm-hmm. back to the everyman factor, like I've talked about before. They were real people with real problems mm-hmm. going about real life. Mm-hmm. And I, I can relate to that, I think. Yeah. And when you, you give me even a large group of relatable characters, then I'm going to care about it, I guess. Yeah. And in this one, you get, what, five, six people? And they're all assholes. Yeah. <laughs> like, And I don't care that any of them died. Yeah. Like I said, it was my biggest disappointment that Axel didn't die at the end. Yeah. Because he should have. Yeah, we just brought it up. The only person that I was like, oh, that's not right, was the little lady running the hotel with the dog. Yeah, she the is dog. the only person that dies that you feel sorry for. Yeah, because... Because who's going to feed the dog now? <laughs> True. N- damn it, now you've made me depressed. I mean, she was as cute as can be. She was living her best life. She seemed like she was fun and she, she was... She was wearing a corset. <laughs> yeah. She had her little boobies pushed up. She was she was so damn cute. And it, she was the only one that I was like, oh, come on. What did she do? Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, she was the only real person in the whole movie. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't know. But I, I just missed that part about it, the, the mind setting and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, you could say we had that scene at the beginning with the party. And then we had the, the climax at the end of the movie. But it just didn't have that flavor. You know what I mean? It didn't. I mean... This, for all intents and purposes, this mine still looked really good. It was still a creepy enough setting. I just don't feel like they spent enough time in it. It was very clean, comparatively, mm-hmm. and very well lit. And I think that added to the tension of the final act in the last one, that it was so dark. Yeah. So. But now that we've brought up the climax, we may as well talk about our giant twist. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, again, with them trying to be different, they decided that they were going to give a role reversal to... Tom and Axel or TJ and Axel. And as everybody well knows, Axel was our killer in the original. And this time they decided that they were going to try to subvert expectation and turn TJ or Tom into our killer this time. I can sort of understand that reasoning, but just the fact that this is a remake, that spoiler already feels telegraphed. 
In you kind of have a feeling that's going to happen. In my opinion, they give it away too soon because before they come right out and say it, when uh, Sarah's riding in the truck with Tom and she gets the phone call from Axel, Axel mm-hmm. and he's like, he didn't just leave. He spent seven years in a mental institution. Mm-hmm. And then Dean gets this look and you're like, is it not? Maybe she didn't. Sarah clearly didn't figure it out mm-hmm. because she's got her head in the sand through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But as the audience, you're like, oh shit. Yep. That's him. Okay. So then when they, you do get the reveal in the mind, you're like, yeah, we know. It's, yeah. It's, it's Tom. Yeah. And thanks for admitting it. But it's Tom. That's <laughs> <laughs> just. Yeah. And Axel does at some point try to tell her, I'm sorry. I've been a shitty husband, but I'm. You know, I want to protect you. I love you. I'm sorry. And it for me, it felt like too little too late at this point. So I still don't give a shit. He could die. I don't care. You know, um, and oddly enough, and we were discussing this earlier, I feel like it would have made more sense and subverted expectations further if it continued to be Axel as the killer because... It would have been different for the sheriff to have been the killer. Yes, because throughout this run, Axel has been super stressed out. He's been really heinous to people, including Sarah. Like there's been instances throughout where they're having a normal conversation. He just flips the fuck out and yells at her. And the way she cringes away from him. Yes. Like like he slaps her around. Yeah. That's how she acts. And like I said before, he looks kind of like he might be strung out through most of the movie. Yeah. And that may be purposeful. Maybe that was them trying to set up, okay, we really want you to think Axel could be this person. And if that's the case, then they did a good job because he he seriously did act cracked at times. Um, And he looked like that and acted like that from the word go. Yes. Like that's not something that he got that way over time as this situation played out. Yeah. Like from he, he, he looked that way in the interview in the very beginning. Yeah. So. And he's obviously insecure about Sarah's relationship or lack thereof in this case with Tom. He's insecure about that. And then he's knocked a girl up on top of this. And yeah, he seems genuinely stressed. Like he's just going to go postal at any time, you know? So I think they could have continued to have Axel be the killer. And then that might've still been surprising. Like, oh, okay. Well, I thought they would switch it up or something. You know, I didn't expect that. That might've been a bigger surprise. That's all I'm saying. But. Well, all fingers were kind of pointing towards Tom at that point. So if they had swung around and said, no, it's still Axel. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I could have been okay with that. Yeah. Um, And then him still die, get killed. You wouldn't suspect it would be the sheriff of this town. So I don't know. But come to find out at the end. No, he's just an asshole. Yeah. And he's always been an asshole. Exactly. And now... And he lives, so he's still an asshole. Yeah. And and I'll get to the thing that pissed me off the most in a second, but you find out that, yes, that Tom is our killer. And I guess what they decided to do with this is that he has PTSD from the events that happened to him seven years ago and almost getting killed by Harry. And... That caused him to crack and he was institutionalized. And now he's basically got this uh, Norman Bates type of situation where he's got this other personality. And it seems like when he goes into killer mode, the Tom part of him shuts off and he's just full Harry Warden. Um, And that's fine. I didn't have a problem with it, 
But again, I felt like it was telegraphed. Um, and it bugs me that, you know, they have the thing where uh, Tom's standing there and they see the killer coming toward him. And he's like, he's like, Sarah, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him now. Here he comes, here he comes. And, and then you see that reveal that Axel and Sarah are looking right over and there's nobody standing there. So we as an audience are going, oh, okay, there's there's nobody there. It's it's him. But then they have to take it a step further because they assume we as the audience are dumb and we have to get this montage of basically everything Tom did throughout the movie showing that he's been the killer. Shows how he locked himself up in a, oh, what do you, what was in that cage? It? Yeah, locked himself in a cage. And we're like, oh, okay, like, I get it. I'm not stupid. I don't need you to sit here and spoon feed me. So that was, that was fine. Whatever, I can deal with it. The part that pisses me off the most is that we're supposed to have this redeemed arc with Axel. I'm sorry, I put you through this, blah, blah, blah. But he turns around and fucking gloats at Tom. Like, as soon as you find out, yeah, it was Tom, he's like, I fucking knew it. And then he's like, is Tom or is Harry with you right now? Like, he's sitting there being a fucking child about it. Like, it would have been... He's pretty much a child through the whole movie. It would have been better and shown more layers if Axel had had some sympathy at the fact that, yes, this guy was obviously traumatized by something that was not his fault. And as a result, this is what he's turned into. It would have made him a bigger person if he could have just shown a little bit of humanity for a minute. You know See, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think that would have improved it. It would have shown a little bit of growth on his part. But at that point in the movie, if you don't get that growth until then, I don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's it, like you said, too little, too late. Um, as far as the whole, like... Tom seeing Harry Warden, like visions of Harry Warden, that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. It was telegraphed. I didn't care for it. I think if you're gonna con- if you're gonna continue to make Tom the the villain, okay. But instead of doing like I'm crazy, I see visions of Harry Warden. It should have just been like surprise, motherfucker, and he's doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Make it a conscious act on his part. Yes. Make him evil. Yes. If, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. Like, this is not some dude that's suffering. This is a psycho. Yeah. And he's going to kill you. He's not having visions of shit other than ripping your face off. Yeah. So. If they were going to set it up that way where he was struggling with PTSD, that's something they should have worked in from the beginning. Yeah. Give me that on the front side so that I can at least feel sorry for him up until the end when I go, oh my, uh, he's killing people. Yeah. Right. And then that's your twist. I I felt bad for this guy the whole time. Yeah. But I didn't. We Yeah. We didn't. And it just, it sucks. It's, it's really, really unfortunate. Um, but you brought it up at the beginning where you said once he is full on, I'm just going to fucking kill you guys now. I do love the scene where he is stalking them through the mine and he's busting out those lights, those light bulbs with the pickaxe and he get these quick flashes of Harry's. Harry in his place. Yeah, you get like an overlay. That is so fucking cool. And, and maybe it's corny to some of you, but I, I happen to personally really love that part. No, I like it. And, and that's, like I was saying earlier, uh, Jensen Ackles can do big scary really well. And in that, that final sequence, when he turns it on, that might be some of the best acting we get in the whole movie. I don't know. I mean, you buy him as a serial killer at that point. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I really liked it. I would have I would have taken more of that over a bunch of the crap that came before right mm-hmm. you know with just him being nuts and killing people mm-hmm. so but the end too felt very lackluster in comparison to the other and 
I'll get, I feel like it kind of redeems itself with the end credit scene, but for the proper ending we get, there's nothing, and I, I talked about this last week, there is nothing that chills my bones more than Axel sawing off his arm and sing-songing his way away out of that mine, or into the mine. For, maybe he went further into the mine. Either way, him going back, Sarah, my bloody Valentine, and then singing, I don't know that it gets more terrifying than that in a film. Because that's At a least really, for me. That's a really scary flavor of crazy. It's, it's right haunting. There. It's a haunting ending. And it's, it's one that has stuck with me my entire life. So to the point where <laughs> he's going to make fun of me right now, to the point where Travis still gives me a hard time every time that scene is on. Yes. Sarah. Yes. <laughs> I hate that you do that. He does that and he does the fucking Felissa Rose's Angela face from Sleepaway Camp <laughs> just to fuck with me. He's yeah, so but mean. I don't, I don't tuck it in for that. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> yeah, he loves to scare me because we know that nothing, there's very little that scares me. So when he finds out that something does scare me, oh, he takes every opportunity. Oh, I'm going to go there. <laughs> so, but in this one, we we get kind of the same thing where Tom gets crushed by some rocks and debris and shit. And then we have our, I guess it's our paramedics or whatever. We have this crew that comes they're in. The, they're like um, emergency rescue or something. Yeah. They, they look like they're specialists. Those are not minors. Yeah. But instead of, you know, this big thing like we had in the original where it's a group of people trying to get Axel out from under the rubble. It's just one lone guy who comes across the body of Tom and Tom takes him out with a pickaxe and then he takes his clothes and sneaks out and I don't know how nobody noticed this guy fucking hobbling out of the mine all covered in blood. Everybody was just like fucking about their own business and then uh, he removes his mask and he gives us this look like I'm fixing to go fuck shit up and then that you know roll credits. But I do really enjoy the end credit sequence just riding through a mine and we talked about it last week with our a trip to a mine we saw ourselves and we were like oh this is so fucking cool um and you get to the very end of the credits and you start seeing i don't know if it's tom i don't know if it's harry but we start seeing that the miner coming out of the out of the well you can kind of see the light from around the corner and so at first it's just a silhouette yeah of him coming around the corner and he's getting closer and closer and closer yeah and when he gets over there and you can effectively see his eyeballs this time and i don't know what it is about that that makes it infinitely scarier and then in one last 3d shot he brings the pickaxe down over the audience but that scene actually did effectively scare me there's a very similar scene in i don't know if it's all Hallow's Eve or if it's Terrifier. I think it's all Hallow's Eve where you have Art the Clown and it looks like you're watching this VHS but then all of a sudden it becomes real and Art the Clown is getting closer and closer and closer to the screen. The first time I watched that I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god is this me? Am I imagining it? Oh my god. <laughs> you know and shit like that doesn't happen to me very often but so yes I feel like at least that scene of this remake kind of gave me the willies for like a half a second but overall as a movie not scary not suspenseful unfortunately it just didn't do anything for me um at least not in the way that the original did no it definitely was missing a certain i don't know what 
<laughs> je ne sais quoi. <laughs> yeah. It was missing something. It just they just didn't capture that magic again. It was and it, it comes down to bad writing. I don't want to say bad acting, but bad writing. Did I say that? Bad writing? Yeah. And that's really all it is. It's really And that's what it comes down to because the cinematography wasn't terrible. It does look like a soap opera in some in some shots. But, you know, the score was better. They had a competent group of actors. They just didn't give those competent actors anything to work with, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Mhm. And just the overall plot, the overall storyline just wasn't very good. Yeah. And I think that's, it's it's damn sad because it, it, you know, it could have been a good movie. Mm-hmm. It could have been because I, I really, in a remake, I don't necessarily want a carbon copy of the one no. that came before. No. Because if, if that's the case, they're, they're almost always going to fail mm-hmm. in my mind. Like if you came back and you said, all right, we're going to do Halloween again and we're going to do it exactly the way they did the first one. I don't think it's going to be as good. I don't think there's any way to make it as good because you can't, you, you may be able to capture the cinematography and the acting. You may be able to get all of it, but you're never going to capture the nostalgia mm-hmm. that people associate with the original. The so, only, the only thing that I would say that's done that in recent years was that flashback scene in Halloween Kills. That's the only time that I ever felt like I was actually transported back to a to a time. Right, but it's not a direct remake of the entire movie. Right. And so a direct remake of My Bloody Valentine really wasn't what I was looking for. I don't know what I was looking for necessarily, but this was not it mm-hmm. at all. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the ride through the mine at the end might be my favorite part of this whole movie. <laughs> It's it really it's, sad. It's like the, it's the creepiest part of the whole movie. Uh-huh. Um, and it does. It, might, it reminded me of uh, when we went to that. And I looked it up. It's the Molly Kathleen Gold Mine in Cripple Creek, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And they're still open and doing tours. Obviously not today because <laughs> Christmas. But... Uh, this is February. Thank you very much. Well, yeah, but we're recording this. <laughs> On Christmas Eve. We so, are, guys. We're way ahead. Um, but that's fantastic, by the way. If you ever go to Colorado, you end up at Cripple Creek, skip the casino, go see the gold mine. It's awesome. And you'll save money because you won't lose it all in slot machines. But uh, if, you, if you dig that sort of thing, it's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. We, we really enjoyed it. And yeah, watch the original My Bloody Valentine before you go down there. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be, be seeing Harry Warden on the face of every child. <laughs> You'll be seeing the face of Harry Warden on your tour guide. The smile of every baby. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know. This movie was just disappointing for me. It is. I think I really enjoyed it the first time I saw it. Um, Well, I mean, I probably really enjoyed it the first several times I saw it. But it's just, over time, it's just not, it hasn't aged well. I think I think part of the reason I've been so shitty about it this time around is because we just watched the original. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if we had watched the original and then put a couple of months in between the two, but when we watched the original and then just a couple of days later, really watch this one, everything I liked about the original is still fresh in my mind and I don't get it from, from the remake. Mm-hmm. So, but remakes are tough. I, I typically don't go for remakes. Like I, I mean, you talk about like the fly, which is the one we're doing next. Yes. Right? That's going to be our final movie for uh, February. Because it is the saddest love story of all. But when people look at the fly, you know, Jeff Goldblum, they don't automatically think of that as being a remake. They think of it as an original, but it is a remake. Yes. Of a movie from what, 1958, I believe. Mm-hmm. So um, The Thing technically is a remake, the original one with uh, with Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. People just don't know that it's a remake mm-hmm. because the original was in what, black and white, black and white, mm-hmm. probably a silent movie or something. I don't no, know. No, it's not a silent movie. Leslie Nielsen is in that one. But yeah, the originals were so old that we don't think about those as being remakes. Mm-hmm. Um, they typically don't work for me. Just kind of off the cuff, trying to think of a remake that i would say it's just as scary as the original evil would dead be... the hills okay. have eyes 
The Hills Have Eyes is the one I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. It's not a carbon copy of the original necessarily, just as scary and fucked up as the original. Yes. So. um, I would say the remake of The Hills Have Eyes is more fucked up than the original. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, they went places that they were not going to go necessarily in the first one. Yeah. Well, they were more graphic because they did go there in the first one. Yeah. They the RV more, scene they was... They were a lot more graphic about it in the yes. remake. The RV um, scene was pretty tough. So between the two of us, we've come up with two movies where the remakes were okay. And I'm sure I could come up with more than that. But just off the top of my head, yeah, if, if anybody says remake, I think The Thing, The Fly, um, Evil Dead, Hills Have Eyes... Is being really amazing yeah. in terms of remakes. But I mean that just that just kind of goes to show that doing a remake is hard, mm-hmm. especially if it's a movie that people like. And so for something like this, you really want to make sure everything's on point before you tackle it. Starting with the writing, mm-hmm. and they didn't do that. Yeah. So anyway, I think well, we've... it was a, it was a phase. It was it was a, a, a craze that was happening at the time. Everybody wanted to remake well, everything. This was two thousand nine. So they what they redid Black Christmas somewhere in this time frame twice plus or minus a They've couple of years. They've redone Black Christmas twice. They redid. Uh, I think didn't didn't they redo Prom Night? Yes. Or something like that somewhere yes, in did. there. Mm-hmm. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Another one that blew. <laughs> yeah. And we've already talked about Friday the 13th. Yeah. And again, was... I know that there's a lot of people out there that like that Friday the 13th remake. It's just not for me. So I, I like Jared Padalecki in that. Yes. Yes. I will agree um, to that. I'm good with him in there. And I like Derek Mears. I don't necessarily dislike the whole movie because I like Derek Mears. I think he made it. He's amazing, I, when Jason. When he came out of that boathouse running and through that axe, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like I... I like cringed back in my seat a little bit because that's the first time I had seen Jason just full on run. Yeah. That sackhead Jason Jason was not fucking around. If Jason can run, you are fucked. Yeah. (laughs) um, It's really, I think it's a few cast members in that movie that really just kind of. Trent. Okay. So it's really just Trent. (laughs) Well, I didn't like the majority of those people either. No. And what's the other one? Willa Ford was in it. Yeah. And that was just a no. There was and, that there was the new chick Bree. That was her name. I didn't like her. Yeah, I didn't like the Asian the one with guy. The stupendous boobs. Yeah. I, well, I the thought, Asian guy was comic relief. He I was supposed he was to annoying. be. He was, but he was supposed to be a Shelley, and he was a Shelley. Yeah. It just I. There, there was another group that I but felt like none of them had any redeeming qualities. They didn't. They didn't have the chemistry that you really needed for that. Yeah. And that's another one that it had a lot of potential to be really good. Mm-hmm. Because I think Jared could have carried more in that movie. He was fine as the character Derek, of Clay. He Derek did great. Mears did a badass Jason. Yes. They just didn't build... They didn't have the infrastructure around them to make the whole thing good. I give it a little bit more of a pass because if you have watched or heard any um, interviews with Derek Mears, the dude is such a nice guy, such a sweet person, and he was overjoyed to get to play that character. So I give it a pass purely based on him because he really brought it as that character. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, did he do a good job? Yeah, he did a fantastic job as Jason. Jared Padalecki did a good job being... Clay. Whatever it was he was in that movie. <laughs> but it doesn't make it a good movie. Those two guys couldn't save it. Mm-hmm. So... Which is sad, because like I said, you get those two guys in there, and it could have been really good. The you, ideas were there. Are you I, eating pretzels I while we're recording? I am eating pretzels. I'm sorry. Like, can you find a louder <laughs> food to crunch on while we're... <laughs> I'm sorry. The bones were there. I 
I did dig the idea of this guy who is living off the land. They kind of touched on that in Friday the 13th Part 2. So that whole thing about him living off the land, um, that comes back to kind of like that fan film. There's the two of them. Was it Never Hike Alone? Never Hike in the Snow. And Never Hike in the Snow, which if y'all have never checked those out, those are pretty awesome. I mean, for a fan film, I don't. they're short, but shit, if you played them in a theater, I don't know that you would, other than their length, I don't know that you would know that those are fan films. Yeah. They're they're really good. They're that fucking good. And um, I, I'm I'm ready for Vincent Desante to make another one. It was kind of the same premise. He was living off the land out there at Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. And if, if you stay out of his territory, you're going to be okay. Right. And that was kind of the same thing in this one. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't gone out there, they probably would have been okay. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's basically it for every Friday the 13th movie. Just don't go to Crystal Lake. You'll be fine. Yeah. If you don't want Jason to kill you, just go, hey, don't let's go to not, New Jersey. Let's not get it twisted here. Jason was protecting his weed, okay? He just didn't want those guys fucking with his weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, that... that I hate to say that we won't ever cover that one. We may get around to it eventually, and I, and we can get into that a little bit more. But in the meantime, as a general rule, remakes need to be left alone. Another one I'm thinking of just top off top of my head is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was another one that when it came out, I was like, oh my God, this is fucking brutal. It's But to be fair, I had only seen the original one time at that point. I didn't know enough about it that I could make an educated comparison. Now that I have seen the original Texas Chainsaw probably a thousand times, it is the superior film without question. There's just a grittiness of that film that you cannot recapture. And, And there's people out there that I've heard say, I don't care for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's just not my thing. You have to appreciate what those guys did, though. And it's not just because I'm a Texas gal and I have, yes, been to those locations, thanks to my wonderful husband here. But We went to the original house, which is a restaurant now. Yes. And you can go have a Leatherface lemonade. <laughs> yeah, we've eaten there twice. It's but, got alcohol in it. It's not for the kids. And you can go sit up with Grandpa in the attic, so that was fun. But you have to appreciate what Toby Hooper did with the budget that he had and what he was given. And in that remake, it's too MTV. It's too polished. It's too much for the young crowd. They just didn't quite capture the same magic that Toby Hooper did. I'm, Not even with Daniel C. Pearl still doing the cinematography. I'm going to have to disagree with you slightly there. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre has never been like my big one. Leatherface has never been my, my go-to bad guy. I mean, mm-hmm. it's always been Jason, although we don't Halloween movies. I'm kind of thinking it might be Michael Myers now, <laughs> but... I, the remake of Chainsaw wasn't bad. Jessica Biel's oh, the it's actress, not bad. They had a good cast of of actors and actresses for that movie. Arlie mm-hmm. Army. Oh, he's terrifying. Is Arlie Army? Yeah, was he passed away? But he's a badass, and mm-hmm. he can pull off crazy. Oh yeah, very so well. So good. And but well, unless you unless you've seen Full Metal Jacket, and I was going to say seen Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> you're like, okay, he's just being a drill instructor. I, I really was waiting from Full for Full Metal him. Jacket. I really was waiting for him to ask those guys what was their major malfunction. Numb nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to rip off your head and shit down your neck. <laughs> yeah. Private it's Joker. Not, anyway. It's, it's not a bad movie by but any means, but it, it's still... They didn't... So a, a lot of it... It was good because they had a good cast, in my opinion, the remake. But if you compare that cast to the cast of the original, the original cast captured that creep factor 
so much better. It's the same thing as My Bloody Valentine. Those seemed like real kids. Yeah, yeah. And and I, but I think I'm talking about the family. The family in the original captured the creep factor so oh, yeah, much yeah, yeah, better. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Than the ones in the new the mm-hmm. new movie. Um But we had the same problem with the teens, I use quotations, with the teens in the remake that it was the same thing. You got all these pretty people and Jessica Biel running around with her clothes painted on for 90 minutes and it just didn't feel realistic. No. no the teenagers they... here were fucking hoodies and baggy ass shorts when it's 99 degrees outside. This is true. This is true. <laughs> I'm just saying that that was not the worst remake. No. That, that's no, it's, it's really not. It is shiny. It, you know, it's a shiny remake, um, but it's still not as good as the original. And, and I'm not a Chainsaw fan and I will say it's not as good as the original. And the thing that those two movies have in common it and friday the 13th as they share the director marcus nispel did directed both of those movies yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think the scary thing really about the original is that when we need to we need to do those movies oh yeah for sure and and you can share some of your pictures because we went to those places i have promised you can share those on on our twitter i have promised friend of the show friend a personal friend of mine allison i have promised her that we will tackle Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. the the next generation. She is begging us to do that right. movie. Yeah. Um, but the, um, you know, in the remake, the family, I mean, they kind of fought back. I don't remember it that well. But in the original, she gets away, but the family's all still there. Mm-hmm. Right. There was no, there was no justice for anyone. And no. And she escaped. You could say that she escaped, but clearly she's broken. By oh, the yeah. Time she gets in the back yeah. of it. So did she get away physically? Yes. Did she escape? Not really. Right. She's going to be having that nightmare fuel for the rest of her life. Right. And I think that's what's scary about it is that she's driving away and yes, she made it, but they're still there. Mm-hmm. They're still on that road. If you drive down there, you could still get caught. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when I, we I, were driving down those roads, even we were kind of like, oh. <laughs> yeah. You drive through those cornfields out there. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was pretty creepy. But anyway, we got way off topic. We so did. But it's okay because you guys are hanging out with us and it's all good. And apparently you like us, you know. I've had a few of you now tell me that you like us. So obviously we're doing something right. But as we brought up. Please stop telling my wife that you like us because you're giving her <laughs> complex. And she's getting really hard to live with. So not true. She asked me to call her Queen Ashley the other day, and I'm just not going to do it. Are you kidding? What was with that that star you had me put up on our door? That, that was on had... the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yes, are we done? We're we're discussing remakes because next week for our our final episode of February, Sexy Month, is we are like I just said, we're going to be talking about the saddest love story at all what you will go through with the person you love the most. And we are talking The Fly, the remake, the remake, the Cronenberg film. Jeff Goldblum. Yes. We're doing, we're doing Jeff Goldblum. My other boyfriend. So. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I have to put up with, everybody? Do you see? Well, you don't see, but do you hear what I have to deal with? So. I can't compete with Jeff Goldblum. I, I'm not saying anything. He knows about dinosaurs. He can turn himself into a fly. I'm just fucked. He has orgies on his spaceship. I mean. it's it's my birthday it's his birthday yeah (laughs) so anyway we hope you'll be back next week for the fly and uh thank you as always for being with us guys we love you podcasts do you have a podcast yes yes i have a podcast to pitch yeah we're just gonna keep going 
I would like to give a ginormous shout out to our friends over at the Horror Returns podcast. When we first started this, and this we've been at this, what, four months now? When we first started, these guys were sharing our shit and plugging us without knowing anything about us, really. Like, I, I say it every week, like, podcast community is the fucking best community that there is out there. And we want to show the horror return some love this week. We're sharing you guys. So everybody, please head over, check out their podcast, tell them we sent you. And yeah. you won't get anything for saying that. <laughs> she Like you don't get a discount on anything. Yeah. They're not going to give you money for saying that. We no. but you, it's okay. You can still tell them that we sent you. Just so, don't expect a return on it. <laughs> So yeah, seriously, go check those guys out. They're wonderful. And thank you, as always, for being with us this week. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, quick reminder to find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as SpookyMom83 and Travis on Twitter as TravisL80. And find our official page on Instagram and Twitter at Dead and Married. If you have any questions or suggestions for films or otherwise, feel free to email us at deadandmarried at yahoo.com. Later.